The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. I'm excited to be here today to continue our series on dream building, building your field of dreams. This is part two. For those of you who might not have been with us last week, we started with this series that is partly based on a book by Mary, Mary, uh, Mary, 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 Mary Shelton, not her, another different Mary, Mary Morrissey, um, a wonderful, wonderful book called Building Your Field of Dreams. And last week, we really took a look at the dreams we have in our life that we would like to see come to fruition, dreams for ourselves, dreams for our planet, dreams for our world. And we used some questions that Mary has in the book, five questions that she calls that we can use to test our dreams, to really build dreams that also build us, that build up uh, a life that we would love to live and build forward uh, something that contributes to the world in a powerful way. And so if you'd like to get a hold of that talk, you can get it online on Facebook. You can go to our website. You can get a copy of a CD for a love offering in our store. And that began the series. We also are uh, continuing to to have fun with the movie The Field of Dreams that was starred, starred Kevin Costner. Our wonderful, talented marketing team created a slide for this. That is me standing on home plate right here at Mile High Church. Uh, And uh, I thought that was very creative. They're so clever. And so I really appreciate that. And that movie also provided some inspiration for us last week. I talked a little bit about the main character, Ray Kinsella, who's a corn farmer in Iowa who has this wild dream that he's supposed to plow up a bunch of his corn and put a baseball field out. And people think he's crazy. And then these, these ball players start appearing from the cornfields that it turns out are players who've passed on to the other side and who are coming to play baseball and eventually Ray's own father who was also a, a ball player who had passed away shows up and they have some wonderful resolution of their relationship and stuff and so it's a, a very powerful powerful uh, movie. The main line that most people remember from the movie is if you build it they will come, right? And I challenged us last week to say, when it comes to your life and my life, if you build your consciousness, your dreams will come. Because we start and we understand here that part of how we build our consciousness, how we build our dreams is in our mind, in our consciousness. And we're going to continue that conversation today. I also love another line in the movie. One of the ball players, after playing ball, turns to Ray, the main character, one day and says, Ray, is this heaven? And Ray says, no, it's Iowa. <laughs> and I like that line, too. He says it so matter-of-factly. No, it's Iowa. What are you thinking, you know? And so for me, that also uh, represents this notion that I really believe and feel very optimistically that we human beings, when we build a life of our dreams, we are ushering in what we most yearn for, which is heaven on earth. That it is what we're meant to do and to be here. We, are, we came here. We, we came here to grow a life we would love to live. And what happens through various times and through various lives is that we can get 
caught up in our own personal nightmares and fears, get caught up in the challenges that we've faced, get caught up in the the challenges that might appear to be going on in the world, and forget to dream big. Forget to dream deep. Forget to live a life we would love to live. And we get to understand that as we do this, not only are we selfishly pursuing things that we would love to experience, we are ushering in literally heaven on earth. When I imagine a world where everyone is living a life they would love to live, I feel such joy. And I am just optimistic and woo-woo enough to believe that's possible. Yeah, right? And so if you feel that pull like I do, this series is an invitation to get about dreaming, to get back to dreaming, and to get back to paying attention to the dreams that you have for your life and the dreams that you might have for our world. And the dreams that are calling to you. But it takes work. That's the part that sometimes eludes us. Imagine, if you will, that you wanted to grow a garden of something. I am honestly not the best gardener in the world. I've had a challenge growing things. And a friend of mine really insisted when she helped me put my office together here at Mile High Church that I needed some plants in the office. And so Karen Thomas lovingly helped me go. She works on our staff, went to go get some plants, and then has helped me learn how to take care of them. My two favorite plants are Lucy and Ethel. And they are thriving because of Karen's help. But I notice that in order for them to thrive, I have to take care of them. As a farmer or as a, as a gardener, let's say you yearn for a crop of carrots. You just love carrots or you want roses or daisies. We all understand that you can't just go out and find a patch of land and plant the garden and then step away and never tend to it again and just hope it'll grow. Well, I hope some carrots come up from there. We also know that when we plant the garden, we don't stand over the garden and say, I wonder if I deserve carrots. Do, I, do you think that it's okay for me to have carrots? Is, is, is it too much to ask that I really want carrots? Or I'd love some roses. Do you think God wants me to have roses? Is that okay? We don't stand over the garden and wonder about that, right? And we for sure know that if we want to grow the garden, we don't go out every day and dig the garden up to look at the seeds to see if they're growing. right? We know we can't do that. But this is how we tend to approach our life when it comes to the dreams that we want to grow for ourselves. We, We go to a class or a workshop or we come here a talk here at church and we get all excited and we have a dream and we go, I'm gonna build my dream. I'm gonna have a dream. And we walk out of here and we spend the next 24 hours all excited and then we walk away and we forget all about it. And then maybe a month later we go, what happened to that dream? This stuff doesn't work. I planted a dream and nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. 
Or we, or we wonder because maybe the garden's growing a little slowly, our dreams are taking a little time, or they're getting a little hard, or we have to put in a little extra effort, or we hit an obstacle. Maybe God doesn't want me to have the life that I dream of. Maybe I'm not worthy of it. What's wrong with me? I must have a horrible consciousness. We don't worry. We, we, get, we go there. And many of us just keep digging it up. Digging it up and replanting and digging it up and replanting. So we understand that this is not how you can grow a garden garden. And I'm saying today, when it comes to growing our garden, growing our dreams, that the same things apply. In order, what we're, going, what we're talking about today is that as we begin to plant the seeds of our most fervent dreams and desires, the same things apply to growing dreams in your life and mine as it takes to grow a garden or a crop of corn or a rose or keep your plants alive at your house. The same things apply. So growing our garden requires, firstly, focus. If we are, we have to be intentional. We have to have focus. We have to water the garden of our dreams. And to me, what that means is I need to give time and energy consistently to my dreams. I don't just plant them and then ignore them. I give daily disciplined attention to my dreams. At the very least, I write them out and I look at them. I imagine myself living them out. I love studying uh, brain science. I'm fascinated with what science is learning about how our brains work. And there's so much happening right now in the world of, of the human brain and the mapping of our brains that is totally supporting these notions that what we focus upon and what we give our attention to is what our life tends to unfold for us. It's not just some woo-woo law of attraction stuff that, that has no bearing in the world of scientific awareness. More and more, the folks who are studying the brains really are seeing that our brains, our body follows our brains, that our, our mind is important in the process of our health and our well-being and our life. And so that which we're teaching and studying and working on here is beginning to show itself in these very important fields. And so the, the awareness that they have about how people have, have, have sports people have, have broken barriers and broken records and how it takes uh, somebody willing to say, yeah, I can run a mile faster than that. And then people say, oh, no, 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 that can't be done. And someone continues to imagine that it can be done. It can be done and does what they call mental rehearsal, seeing themselves doing it and then eventually does it. And then as soon as that one person breaks that barrier, guess what happens? A whole bunch of other people follow, right? And suddenly it's like, oh, well, we can do that. Let's all do that. Whereas before, nobody thought it could be done. And this is a repetitive pattern for us in the human experience. And so some of us sit with a dream that we have and we think it's impossible. Nobody can do it. And so what it takes, what we know that it takes to burst past the barriers of our own sense of limitation is that we've got to pay attention. We've got to have this beautiful, beautiful sense of how our mind works. And some of us think it's a waste of time, but it's not a waste 
waste of time to every day read your dream aloud to yourself. Imagine yourself in the dream and seeing yourself as an observer living out that life and seeing yourself in your body walking the steps of who you'd be and what you'd be doing as you lived the life of your dreams, as you were in that relationship, as you were in that healthy body, as you were in that place of abundance and flow, as you were in that spiritual awareness, as you were in that problem solving that's going to shift something in the world, we know that that kind of focus grows a garden and grows a life. And it's important to do that. It's important to be with people who are dream builders. It's important to be part of groups and to, you know, this day and age, we can go online for goodness sakes and read stories of people who are living the life we would love to live. We can go into mastermind groups and support groups. We can come to church. Yeah, and what science also tells us is there's something important about that. Because I've been studying um, recently, uh, reading books and watching videos from Dr. Srini Pillay, who's a Harvard-trained scientist who studied the brain. Very well-spoken, very fascinating man. And he talks about something called mirror neurons. And in research recently, they've been taking stroke patients and observing that the people who've experienced a stroke, who go and sit and observe someone performing an action that they need to recover activates the neurons in that stroke patient's brain in critical parts of their brain that stimulate and bring them into recovery. Mirror neurons. And Dr. Pillay is saying this is how life works. When you and I come to church, you may think, well, that, that, I don't like that minister, that message didn't mean much today, but you're in a field here where your mirror neurons are being fired off as you just be with people who are working to make their dreams come true, as you watch us live our dreams out, as you stand in this place where we are together, all of us are supporting each other and our mirror neurons are being fired off to live a happier, more connected, thriving life just by being here, just by being here. Yeah, I love that, right? Maybe that'll be our new church model. Fire off your mirror neurons. Come to church. (laughs) So we know that the mind is a part of it, and so is action. Some of us suffer because we will lean into one or the other. We'll think, okay, well, all I have to do is sit around and contemplate my dream, and then it'll happen. That's an important part of it, and so is then being in action, being focused, And then listening, not just for action that's done out of fear or desperation. Oh, I got to get about doing, 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 doing. Some of us are very addicted to doing and we lean on the, I got to do something to make my dream come true. Inspired action, guidance that we listen to as we continue to dream is important because once we've opened ourselves up in this deep way and plugged in in this profound way, what happens is that we realize we are plugged into the all that is and what becomes available to us is a connectedness with everything and every person and everything that's moving, all the actions of our world and we find ourselves, if we will pay attention, in inspired, guided action. 
towards making our dreams come true. We'll suddenly feel an urge to call someone or to do something. And synchronicities that appear to be miraculous begin to unfold for us. And synchronicity is real. It's real because there's a part of us, this deeper self, that when we says yet, when we say yes, gets about helping us make it happen in a way that allows our conscious mind to continue to do all it has to do during the day. But this deeper part of us is always working and always bringing us into situations and and conditions that if we're paying attention, guide us forward. And synchronicity is amazing. One of the most profound experiences that I ever had with synchronicity was a couple years ago, I had a, a beloved little Pomeranian dog named Hannah who lived for 15 years and she passed away. I was very sad, grieved her, and then after a while of feeling I was complete with my grief, I went to my beloved husband, Ken, and my son, and I said, I'm ready for a new puppy dog. (laughs) Now, I honestly didn't put that dream to the five tests, the five questions, but I, I, I know now using this stuff that when I begin to dream and I feel that call, I know how to use this stuff. So I began to pray and imagine myself with a new puppy dog. I began to notice people with puppy dogs and, you know, people sitting at Starbucks drinking their coffee with their puppy dog. And I began to imagine, I'm ready for a new puppy dog. So I also not only imagined I got about going into the rescue shelters. We went to foothills. We went to different places and looked at dogs and met dogs. And one day we walked into an adoption of in a pet store because I had seen the picture of a puppy dog and, I, and he was still there and his name was Hank and here's a picture of Hank. He's a little red healer, so adorable. And so we adopted him, we took him home and we began to integrate him into our lives. Now we have an older dog also named Max who's my son's dog, also a rescue dog who has some challenges with, with aggression towards other dogs. So we knew we had to, we've integrated other dogs into our household. We knew that it would take some time and energy, but we were willing to do the work with both dogs to help them eventually learn to get along. And we also knew we wanted to train and support Hank and potty train and all that good stuff. And so after a few days of having Hank in our home, though, I began to notice something was different about Hank. And I began to suspect something and took him to the vet. And sure enough, he couldn't hear. He was deaf. And that didn't bother me at all. Didn't bother Ken at all. We said, okay, well, that just means we've got to shift our focus a little bit. And so uh, the wonderful uh, sign language interpreters here like lovely Dawn, aren't they amazing? And the beautiful work they do for us. They started teaching Ken and me little signs for how to be with Hank and communicate with Hank, and that was wonderful, and we began to do that work, and I began to call trainers saying, okay, I'm going to need special trainers. We're going to need someone to help us. Uh, Hank was found in the middle of Kansas, abandoned, so nobody knew his history, and so very sweet dog, a little skittish, but wonderfully sweet, and as I talked to one trainer she said something to me that just broke my heart. She said, now that I know what's going on in your home and you have this other rescue dog who can be a little bit aggressive, I'm concerned for Hank's safety because even when you integrate them, you'll ne- Hank will never be able to hear Max coming towards him in aggression. And so it, it really hit me. Oh my gosh, I don't want him to be unsafe. And she said, I'm wondering if you need to rehome him into a home where he could be the only dog. So that was a Thursday. Friday, I spent the entire day crying. 
crying. I mean, literally, there was not a moment that I did not cry that day because I knew that it was probably true. I loved Hank, but for his safety, maybe we needed to make this decision. And so the next day, Ken was very supportive and supportive of me, supportive of Hank. We called the rescue place. We took Hank back. They said, we know you love him, so when we rehome him, we'll keep you posted. And so we said, okay, and I left him, cried all day that day. A few, at the end of the day, though, they called and they said, hey, did you see that couple that was standing by the dog food when you brought Hank back? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, they adopted Hank. Aww. And I said, that's wonderful. And she said, and both of them are deaf. Oh my God. And it was like this beautiful, yes, amazing story. Gives me chills even now to think about it. And Ken and I were just like, I think we were just Tank's foster home for a few weeks until his real forever home was ready for him. And, you know, part of it is synchronicity, listening to guidance. I listened to my guidance, even though it was hard to give him up. I loved him, and I still had the dream. And you might think he was an obstacle, but so much was learned in being with him. And a few months later, we adopted our two puppy girls. (laughs) Double the fun, double the trouble, for sure. Artemis and Maya, and they've been with us for a while now, and it led us to them, and that's been a wonderful blessing. But you know, I I think part of dreaming, it's focus, it's listening to guidance, and it's recognizing also that when you are a dreamer, obstacles will show up. Things will show up that you don't expect. And obstacles are a part of the journey of being a dreamer. I've often used this example of if you were to enroll in college, which I'm sure many of you have done college, and you're going for a degree program and you dream of having that degree and you get into a class and it's hard, does that mean you should quit? (laughs) Nope. Does that mean the universe is somehow against you or doesn't want you to have that dream? Nope. Does that mean that you should stop? No, it just means that you are bumping up against the the edge of your own knowing and the edge of your own awareness and the, the task to get the dream is to keep moving through. And the same is true for you and me. Our dreams are like degrees that we're pursuing in our life and we likely will bump up against obstacles that can grow us, that can deepen us, that can call us forward. And the meaning of obstacles I am 100% sure when it comes to the universe, to the God that we believe in here, is never, you're not worthy of the dream, you can't have it. The universe never says that. You may believe that, and that believing, that believing may influence your ability to manifest the dream. But in terms of life, universe, God, source, no capacity to decide and determine who gets to have a good dream and who gets to not have a good dream. All ours, right? We get to claim them. 
And so as we enter into obstacles, there are meanings to obstacles that we get to say, okay, here's an obstacle. What does it mean? Does it mean I need to dig deeper? Does it mean I need to step back a little bit? Does it mean I need to shuffle this way or shuffle that way or just climb right over? Does it mean I need to adjust? But for many of us, an obstacle has become a stopping point for us. It gets hard, we find a challenge, and we get discouraged, and we just stop the dream itself, and sometimes dreaming, because we've had obstacles in our path, and so, well, why dream of a good life? And, you know, it just gets messed up. It never happens anyway. And I'm suggesting that we must remember that obstacles are a part of the experience that grows us and deepens us, and if we will allow them, makes us more able to be in alignment with the dream that we are pursuing And so we don't stop because of them. We continue forward through them and allow ourselves to step fully into them. And so we walk through and we manage those obstacles. And then as we begin to learn to focus, to listen to guidance, watch for the synchronicities, to manage the obstacles, we find that we are growing a new crop of dreams. And if we look back, I think many of us will see that there are many dreams that we've had in our life, some sort of low-level, wouldn't-it-be-nice dreams and some dreams we pursued fervently that we do have the capacity to bring our dreams into fruition. And it's important to remind ourselves constantly and to celebrate when a dream comes to fruition, to be really clear that the dreams that we're dreaming are supporting us in becoming our truest self. You may have thought that you were dreaming a dream and bringing it forth, but all the while, the dreams that you and I are having, they're growing us. They're growing us into a more connected version of ourselves, into that joyful experience of living the life we would love, of manifesting the kingdom of heaven on earth, of truly walking forward and having a great and thriving life, which we all can have, which we all deserve, which we all can bring forth in our own experience. In Mary's book, she says, what's important is that through attempting to obtain a particular dream, you can grow your whole life more fully. If through the process of building your dream, you give yourself the opportunity to let that God seed in you grow and develop. You become more of the real you. True dream builders develop conscious contact with their creator while finding a more personal relationship with God. It's not just about some selfish need to have a goodie. It's about deepening into the divine. I'm inviting us to dream to dream big, to dream bold, to walk forward in our lives in every way possible, to dream for ourselves, to dream for our world, to dream for our church, to dream big dreams because we are dream builders. We are. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 
or visit us at milehighchurch.org.